And I know that your eyes are like flames of fire. I know that your hair is white as wool. I know that your voice, it sounds like water. Jesus, you're beautiful. I know that your eyes are like flames of fire. I know that your hair is white as wool. I know that your voice Sounds like many waters. Jesus, you're
and we broke some stuff. We broke lots of records that weekend. Nobody realizes all the behind-the-scenes records that were broken, but we were excited about it. And so um, it can only get better from here. Amen? It's, it's, you're going to enjoy this lesson. I am so excited about this. <laughs> I'm excited about this because when you get this, you, it's going to change everything. So tonight our lesson is called Appraisers of Your Life. You know, like appraisals that are done on home? Appraisers of Your Life. And uh, when you get this lesson, this, you're going to get it tonight. I'm planting seeds tonight. I expect quick harvest and stuff. So <laughs> if I already water the ground, it's all good. You're good. You're ready to go. So what we're going to talk about, appraisers of your life. When you think about an appraiser, right, we all know what an appraiser does or what it's about. It's simply somebody that comes in and assesses, you know, like let's say a building, and then tells you what the value is. And that value hinges on who's going to buy it and who qualifies to buy it, really. Because if a house, and it also hinges on, so, so when something's appraised, one person wants it to be high and another person wants it to be low, right? So the appraisal has two people hoping it's on their side, right? So the person that is selling the house wants it to be very high because then they can ask more for it. The person that's buying it wants it to be as low as it can go so they can um, buy it at a lower price, right? But then after they buy it, they want to reappraise it to get a higher value so then now they have equity. You know how that goes, right? So, so I'm going to talk to you about appraisers of our life and, and considering this similar pattern, right? So your entire life, from your mother's womb, people have been talking about you and appraising you. Think about it. If you see somebody that's pregnant, or any family member who's been pregnant or whatever, you know, there are well-wishers that, oh, I hope they grow up to be this, and I hope they grow up to this. And all those words are appraisals. Potential, like, this is what, Right? And so everything we say to someone, we're appraising their value to us. And everything that people say to you, they're giving you seeds of appraisal. And so whether you realize it or not, if enough people appraise you in a certain topic, you will take that value. And apply it to yourself. It could be good or it could be bad. Either way, it's not good to do. So whether the people are giving you good appraisals or bad, I'm just telling you, it's not good to accept that as your value. Right? That's the lesson done. We'll go home. <laughs> so, okay? So let's look. <laughs> let's look at um, some scriptures here, right? Let's look at Matthew 11, 11. I want you to see how Jesus was appraised. Remember, he was appraised, if we're taking this concept. 
So Matthew 11, 11. Right? Let, uh, let's go down a couple of verses. I'm going to come back to that one. Uh, let's go down to 12, 13. Um, next one. Uh, next one. Next one. It talks about, uh, I think it's 18. Jump to 18. Uh, okay, the one before. <laughs> um, yeah, 18 I think it is. But basically, where they accuse Jesus of being a, a glutton and a wine bibber. 19. Matthew 11:19. Okay, so it says, um, I'm reading from a version here. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. So this is Jesus talking, right? So Jesus is telling them what their appraisal of him was. And in other words, he wasn't accepting it, obviously. But he was speaking back, he was giving them a report of when they analyzed this temple, right? He was a temple, we're a temple, of the Holy Ghost, when it was analyzed, their, their deduction, their value that they put on him was a drunkard and a glutton. Think about that. These are the same people that saw him do miracles. By Matthew 11, he had done some miracles. At least he would have turned the water into wine. Maybe that's why they thought he was a drunkard. But, <laughs> but the fact that he did things they could never do was never taken into consideration. They put his value at the, at the far end of the spectrum of sinners. They, they lumped him in with tax collectors and the deceitful sinners of their day. Like the tax collector sinner was like one of the worst sinners you could be, based on these Pharisees. So their appraisal of Jesus, the Savior of the world, did not take into end. The whole time the Pharisees judged him and accused him, they never acknowledged the power in which he operated by. They never did. If you read all the Gospels about every account that they were encountering with Jesus, they were always pointing out to him their lesser value, which was all the way at the end, all the way to the cross. They thought he was worse than Barabbas, the worst guy of their time. Their most wanted, on their t- number one most wanted list of their time, he, they saw him valued less than him. They never changed their appraisal of Jesus. Did that devalue Jesus in any way? Not even a a, a smidge. Right? And it did not cause him to sin. Because he went to the cross sinless. It did not cause him to sin. Okay? Remember at 12, Jesus made a profound statement to his parents. And he said, I must be about my father's business. At 12. Jesus, we could at least anchor ourselves there, that Jesus perceived his value there. 
I'm sure he probably perceived it before, but that was his opportunity to sink it in and get into the presence of people who know the stuff he needed to know. And he studied it. And he, then he went to the wilderness where he was led by the Holy Spirit, 40 days, 40, uh, you know, where he fasted and everything else. And he, he was full of the Holy Ghost when he left there after Satan himself came to do an appraisal. Satan came to appraise his son of God value. If you're the son of God, you're, you know, if you're this person, do this and do that. He never did anything to prove his value. He did nothing to prove his value. He didn't even do anything to prove his friendship with Mary and Martha. Do you remember when Lazarus was sick? He did not prove his value to them as a friend by rushing over there. He did not prove his value of which life mattered when he told the Samaritan woman, the the lady that came to... um, for healing, and he, and he called her a dog, right? He didn't have to prove that he's not racist by accepting her. The culture didn't accept her, and she pursued him. She, she had to do the same thing other people had to do to get their healing. They had to, she had to be persistent and show her face, and that's what healed her. He said, you know, right? Do you see what I'm saying? The centurion, he didn't have to prove that he liked sinners or liked, you know, people in authority. He admired the faith in them. So Jesus was appraised by the enemy and never had the appraisal that he was valued at by God, by man. The value that God had in Jesus was never appraised by man on earth while he was here. Peter came the closest when he said, well, you are the Lord. Right? But that was a revelation by the Holy Spirit. You have the words of life. Where else would I go? Right? But then right after he denied him. You see what I'm saying? And he, so you see how the it doesn't matter what value someone puts on you. Their behavior towards you is still going to be based on what they feel about a circumstance in the moment. So Peter is in the courtyard by a fire. Jesus is about to be crucified. Jesus told him already what he was going to do. And he did it. Because he should have figured it out. Jesus was giving him a clue. Because he was in a circumstance that put pressure on him. And he could not admit what his value of Jesus was in front of the crowd that thought he was not. This crowd thought Jesus was worse than the most wanted man in their country, Barabbas. So he went with their appraisal of Jesus. Okay? The next thing you could look at, just write it down, because I told you all the stories in the Bible about Jesus. You just, you know. Uh, Luke eleven fifteen. Remember that Luke eleven fifteen, they accused Jesus of casting out demons by the God of demons. <laughs> they denied him any 
power from God. They denied appraising him that he had any anointing. And yet, these same people are the ones that heard him read in a synagogue from Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Right? They heard it from him, and they saw it demonstrated by now. And they still refused to agree with the appraisal of God over him. This is Jesus we're talking about. The sinless one. He committed zero sins. That means he did nothing against any person. He was in perfect love the whole time he walked on earth. And yet, his value was below the worst sinner they knew. The one that was scheduled for death. They put him in the place. That's how they appraised Jesus. Right? So, when Jesus went to the cross, his report to the Father was, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was his report. That's what he, that was his response to their poor appraisal of him the whole time he was on earth. (laughs) To his death. He still went through with what he was supposed to do. At the high level that he came with, that was supposed to be his. Right? Now, the re- when, um, Matthew 11, 11, you can go back and read that, but you'll see where Jesus was explaining who John the Baptist was. Jesus was giving the proper appraisal of who John the Baptist was. Because they didn't have a clue about that either. Right? But in that reading, you'll find that he said, we would be even greater than that. Let's look at that for a minute. I want to... Matthew 11, 11. You getting something out of this? I got this at 2 o'clock in the morning. I woke up and wrote down the topic so I remember what I'm supposed to talk about. Okay. Okay. Matthew 11, 11. I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And violent people are attacking it. For Jesus, for before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is, what I say, he is Elijah, the one who prophets said would come. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So what can I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. And then he goes on about what they're, you know, they're doing a, uh, they're doing a, um, the funeral song and all that stuff. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking, and you say he's possessed by a demon. <laughs> the son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton. So it didn't matter what, what he's saying is, it doesn't matter how good you are or what you do. The appraisal is the same because it's coming from the same company. The kingdom of darkness. 
that's the company it's coming from. That's the headquarters. Yeah. Yes. Only two valid places, really. Well, the one is an invalid appraisal, but they're, they're the ones appraising you. And then heaven, right? So God has... But here's the thing. This is the cool thing. According to Psalm 139, you have already been appraised. The appraisal has done, already been done on you. God wouldn't send you here without fully appraising you that you're good to go. We see the pattern in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. God actually said, it's not good that man be alone. I need you to fix this. So it turns good before I leave it to multiply. Why does God send you when your appraisal value isn't what he wants? He wouldn't. Nobody's slipping through the cracks here. (laughs) The fact that you are a human being on the earth meant you were already pre-approved to live on earth before one blade of grass was ever here. Before the formless earth was ever formed. Before light be ever happened. You were already appraised, written in a book, and your spirit already dwelt inside of him. When he said light be, we were there. Think about this. In him we live and breathe and have our being. We were there. This is a self-esteem thing that we haven't heard before, right? This is that perspective. I'm trying to show you that you have to decide. See, when you're going to buy a house, whether you're buying it, whether the appraiser is coming from you, somebody you brought in, which I would highly recommend you get your own appraiser if you're buying, or the realtor that's trying to sell you the house has the appraiser, right? Somebody has to sign off that they agree with the value. Right? So that that can go in the record, and that's what the banks, if you're getting a loan, that's what the banks would judge you on to decide how much money they can lend you for this piece of property that is valued at so much. So I think the appraisal company will give their, their, their thing. You could contest it as the buy. You could say, I want another. I want another appraisal because I don't agree with that. But either way, there's a finalization that occurs. And if you don't agree with it and they insist that that's what it is, you can walk away because, you know. So the point is, for you, to, for you to operate at the appraisal level of the enemy, you would have had to accept his appraisal of you. Which means you would have to deny... The report of God that he submitted about you for his appraisal of you. Despise the promise. They despised it. Go ahead. <laughs> You're asking me to repeat what I just said. <laughs> no. Yes, to operate at the appraisal of the enemy, you have to agree with what the enemy has appraised you at. Right? And deny what God has appraised you at. Did you have a question? Okay. Do you see this, ladies? 
The devil has a plot on the earth to go around appraising everybody. And nobody's picked up on this. I just picked up on it at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, I went, oh my gosh, then I couldn't sleep. <laughs> like I must sleep. So I'm telling my body, you know what, body? You are at peace. You have sweet sleep. I'm putting my body, you love to just rest. And then I must have fallen asleep because I don't know what happened next. I woke up in the morning, 7 o'clock or something. So what I'm saying is, I had this um, revelation yesterday from a, a, a video clip. And the person, they were 320 pounds, right? And for six years now, they've been a bodybuilder and a professional trainer and all this. They lost like 150, 140 pounds, something like that. But they said this profound thing. They said, they, the, the day that they changed everything about themselves was the day they realized that this body they have is the only body they're going to have. So whether they gain weight, lose weight, you know, tone it, let it go, whatever they do to it, it's the exact same body. It, you don't get a new body when you lose weight. It just looks different. And she said she realized when she would stand in front of the mirror and ridicule her body about what parts ugly and all these mean things she would say about her body, that's the body she still has to keep. And when she realized that, she started changing how she talked about her body. And it changed everything. And I realized that we are expected to get better as we live on the earth, not worse. Which means our physical bodies should get better. It shouldn't get worse. But the enemy has appraised us and given us all these changes that are, and he actually even gave ages to go with that. And told you what age this is supposed to happen to you. And he has, um, he has people on his payroll that do research to tell you that. Which is an appraisal of your physical body. Let me just say, my physical body has not been, had a number one fan more than me the last 24 hours. Let me just say we won't go into too much details, but let's just say, <laughs> uh, it just, it just, like, my husband was my number one fan, but, like, you know, because I didn't agree with everything he would say about my physical body, I didn't, you know, there wasn't an agreement. Well, I am the number one fan of my own body. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Do you see what I'm saying? Because then you can, it, it would, it, it wants to hear what you have to say. And then you start applying the appraisal of heaven to your own body. That's when healing starts kicking in at such a high rate that the enemy, before he can do a counteraction, you just like blow him out of the water. Because you reject all of his appraisals of what date your womb's supposed to shut down, what date your hormones are supposed to go berserk, what all this, while you're, while you're getting more wisdom about God, and you're supposed to expand it, go from glory to glory, and multiply and thing the earth, the, the more you are learning about God and, and, and you know, marinating in your gifts, 
the enemy's appraisal of you is telling you, oh, you can't dream big and think, no, your time is gone. <laughs> she was 75 and she looked good because the king wanted her. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is we have, been, we have been given a lie from society who works for the enemy, from the world system. Doing the appraisals. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Doing the appraisals. If you had a problem with eating, then you're always going to have, you know, so, so here's my, you know, my newfound, my body. Oh, my beautiful body, whatever. So all the beautiful things I'm saying about myself. Like, I just love my body. I literally fell in love with my own self. I went, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. So, <laughs> so then I'm looking at, this <laughs> funny, isn't it? But think about it. What's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is to hate yourself. And then you disagree. God's in love with you. Read Solomon. So I wanted to get some scriptures from there for you, but I didn't pull it. But this is how you look at it. Look at what the lady was saying. I'm so dark. She's describing all the flaws of her body. And then the man in there is God, Jesus, coming in as the groom, saying, no. You are this. Go look at that for appraisal, appraisal data, for appraisal data, right? And uh, all the things she points out as a devaluing, he showed the value he saw. Isn't this something? (laughs) So listen to this. God values our bodies so much. See, sometimes the church just messes people up too. Like you get so much in the spiritual, the spiritual, that we ignore people's bodies. Well, God ain't going to be... Listen, God's going to pull every molecule of your body to decide to burn it at death. He's going to pull every molecule of it back up. When he comes back... Like, you're not getting another body. The same body is going to be glorified. That's it. But is it going to be the same things that it's made of? <laughs> the same DNA, the same, all the cells, it's coming back. You, it, this is it. <laughs> yeah. We're so valuable. God's not going to leave your body on this earth. To just deteriorate, to be gone. He is actually going to take your body out of the earth. Think about it, because remember, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, which means this earth is going to be destroyed. Your body is not going to be here when it's being destroyed. He's taking you out. This is the value he's put on us. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, we haven't paid much enough attention to the value of our body. When you read the Bible about the women in the Bible, their beauty was pointed out a lot. It was pointed out a lot. And even the, the handsome men were noted about in the Bible. Features of their physical structure was, was spoken of in the Bible. Like... Saul was head and shoulder above the rest. 
Um, David was handsome. The Bible describes him. Even his son Absalom, it described his hair. You know, Samson was described for his strength. Like all these things, God described people's bodies. That's part of his appraisal. So when a womb wasn't working, that was an appraisal from the enemy that was accepted, that God came in and changed the appraisal, and they accepted the change. So in Matthew 4, 6 is where Satan was trying to appraise Jesus. And I have this as a major key to remember. In that, you never prove your appraisal value to the enemy. Because remember, his only goal towards you, his only goal, he never changes this mission statement against you, is to steal, kill, and destroy you. That's it. So imagine if he can make you think you are worthless, which is below zero, by the way, that you will self-destruct yourself and his job's done. He can walk away. Remember, he doesn't have as many resources as God does. So he's got to figure out a system to get people to do their own destruction so he's not there the whole time. (laughs) He also ain't omnipresent. So, you understand what I'm saying? He's got to get a report to know what's going on over there. And, the, and so, one of the best systems he has is to just let it run through a family line. Just tell the same one the same thing. Tell the next one the same thing. See, let them see the pattern of the appraisals of all their family members. They, they turn out to be nothing. David's mighty men. They were good. They knew the value of stuff. Right? So, Jesus, Jesus is our example for everything. Jesus refused to be flattered. See, when, the devil can come in and tell you you're nothing, but he can also come in and tell you how great thou art to cause you to do things in your own strength. Right? So, but the Christians have gotten over in this ditch because they don't want to be like Jezebel and they don't want to be like the people who thought how great thou art, right? And they did it in their own way. So they just decide, we'll just go over here where we're nothing. And then God will help us be something. You all, if you were nothing, if you were nothing, you couldn't be here. If you were nothing, you didn't qualify to come to the earth. That's just what it comes down to. He will not send a zero-value appraised person to the earth. It's just not, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's not from God. Right? So, how do we accept the devil's appraisal? We act accordingly. We act accordingly. We just, everything it says that we are, we do. And then we want to have what the Bible says we are, but it's not working. But the reason is, you've already accepted another offer. (laughs) 
when you accept God's appraisal, you act accordingly. So it'll be like hidden gems. So the word of God is your final appraisal document. Okay? All the promises in there are yours. They're yes and amen, right? See, this document's already been seven times. The word of God has already been tried seven times. So this document has seven different, it's, it's seven times it's gone through, um, you know, opinion, like the seventh opinion. You know how you get a second opinion or whatever? Okay, this went through seven, including fire. Okay, so what the Bible says is you don't have to try any of it. It is, it is what it is. You choose to operate in it or decide that no. But it's never, it's not, because you don't think healing is for today, the Bible is not going to stop the healing clause. It's not going to take out the healing clause of the appraisal for you. It's still in there. So imagine that your house was appraised. When they do these appraisals, if you do it the right way, they have to go through every single thing. You know, they're going through every part of the house, you know, all the different parts, everything. Okay. And they do this big, long report, and they have all these details in there describing, you know, I think, I think they put a percentage or whatever, the good condition, you know, whatever, medium, whatever. whatever. And uh, think of it like if it was a mansion or something, and you bought it, and you didn't realize that if you look at the appraisal document, it's probably the best place to look and see all the features of the house. Think about it. Because they would have had to look at everything if they did their job correctly. Right? So if you wanted to know what was in the house, just look at all the different things it lists. Then you can find out all the details. Oh, wow, I didn't know my house had this. Wow, we missed that when we did the walkthrough. Right? Okay, well, it's the same thing with the Bible. If you want to know all the features of your appraisal, look at the Bible. And start using it. Like, whoa, I can do this. You can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Look at that feature. <laughs> and in your appraisal, when you came here, it was 100%. You know, it no, it's no deterioration, nothing. You're 100% what it says. <laughs> the reason it works and doesn't work is relying on this element of faith. To believe that it's actually true. Think about what people say. You say, I say, I used to say. I don't think this anymore. I don't think it's anymore. Well, that's what I'm about to say. You know how people say, well, how is it that I pray for everybody else and they get healed and I don't get healed? So, is it the word? Is it the person taking your healing away? <laughs> Well, it should be your healing, or is there something missing in you that's not connected? Now, here's the other part. When you have your full value intact, you are in control of your own building. In other words, you can tell it what it is, and it is that. The words of your mouth, just like Jesus could say something, and there it is. Right? You, you have that, too. That's part of your appraisal. Like, you have that clause in you. So, 
if things aren't working out like they should, you don't want to say, it's because I'm this, this, and this, because now you're going on the appraisal of the other side. Like, where did you hear that you were this, this, and this? You heard it somewhere. Somebody appraised you at that value sometime in your life. And you have that on the books. <laughs> I heard another saying, I don't think I shared this one with you, the same day, I think, or the day before, or this week. Your excuses are your belief system. Your excuses are your belief system. That's why, that's why you wouldn't do something. So you have a belief system that says you don't believe either you could do this or you should do this or this could happen for you or whatever. There are things that if I say yes or no, I mean yes or no. It's not an excuse. It's like, no, I don't want to do that, or yes, I want to do that. That's different. But when you are giving yourself reasons why you can't do something that, you're, that you should do, that you're capable of doing, and that you desire to do, but you keep telling yourself you can't do it because that's your belief system. So whatever you find yourself saying after, arrest it because it's fake appraisal. It's a fake appraisal. And and you should pray that it be exposed. So then when it comes up, you nip it. You shred it with the blood. (laughs) As the angel that blots out sins, the blot that sucker out of your mind and your body and your life, your cells, your being. Your body carries the history of your life. Think about the houses that get renovated and all this stuff, you know, the flipping of houses. Well, the, the foundation's still there. And a lot of times the frames are still the ones they're working on. They're just tearing down walls, adding walls, putting up new drywall, whatever. It's the same house. <laughs> right? The same structure. They're just flipping it. Well, we got to do some flips. <laughs> So in in 2 Corinthians 3.18, 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively... Being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So tell me why our bodies need to go the opposite direction that we are supposed to go. <laughs> the, like the expectation is that we go from glory to glory. That's the expectation. So if, if your body can't handle going from glory to glory, then what's the point of telling you you're supposed to do that? That's like a, 
you're made to fail. And that's not what God sent here. I'm telling you. When he sent you here, you had the capability of going from glory to glory. (laughs) He wouldn't appraise you at anything less and then dump you on earth and say, let's see what happens. Like it's not in him. Question? Yeah. Remember when the disciples went with him and they got to see him in the... That was the that was the cancellation of the worse than Barabbas layer um, label that was put on him. true the song I mean like I never change a word of her song because it's exactly like yeah words we could actually say in church imagine that think about this <laughs> you know some of these songs like like when people sing and stuff they're like all you're doing is talking about yourself and all this but think about this when we make statements like that I know who I am I'm walking in power and all this stuff right we are literally worshiping God because we're agreeing with everything he said about us that's like saying, I agree with you. I agree with headquarters. Yeah. And I accept. This is my signature. Signature worship. This is my signature on the line. So you understand what I'm saying? So don't ever be embarrassed about talking about yourself in such a high level that people are shocked about it. They should feel uncomfortable at how high you think about yourself. Now here comes the other verse. Don't think more. You ought not to think more about yourself than, than what you are or something. Yeah. Well, the earth can't think high enough about how you are. They could never grasp how high Jesus was. And, and you talk about don't think of yourself more, more than higher than you ought to. Think about Jesus. He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Nobody ever thought of him that way. He had to say it. If Jesus never said it, How would we know? It wouldn't be recorded. None of the disciples said that to him. None of them said, oh, Jesus, you are the way. No, he said it. So my question is, have we said who we are so people, so it could be recorded that, yes, that phrase has been agreed with. That phrase has been anchored on the earth. Okay, let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, Jesus was labeled the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Okay, that's written in heaven. He had to say it here.
going. Do you see what I'm saying? I said it. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. I keep saying. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, so that's the other thing. For me to deny being a prophet, how would the earth know and accept me as one? It has to connect with what, the, what it says about me. Yet, if everybody ridicules you and says, you think you're a prophet, you think you're this. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Nobody could think as high about you as you can because you have the book in you. You're reading it. And the light blew up. The light, your book went in there. It didn't leave anything. It didn't leave. Possibly, I don't know. And he ate the book and it tasted, yeah. It is part. Our DNA has it. The, our, our Psalm 139, our book. See... Deep calls to deep. So when God's speaking to us, have you ever had, well, you know, um, uh, Brother Robin Bullock said this, memories of the future. You know, where you feel like you've done this before? Yeah. Well, how could you have a memory of something you never did? Because it's in you. You've read the book. <laughs> you know what I think? This is just me. But you know what I think? Since you were already a whole spirit in the womb, what you doing for nine months? I think you had some reading to do. <laughs> so let's go to this scripture. It is in the Amplified. Let's go to um, 2 Corinthians 4, 18, no, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 13, and then 16 and 18. Let's just look at this for a minute. I want to show you something. The 2 Corinthians. <laughs> oh, I've had an awakening, let me tell you. My whole family's happy. Pastor Doug's the happiest. Without going into much detail. Second Corinthians 4. If you're watching, Doug, I'm sure you're smiling. Second Corinthians 4. 8. But think about this. When people devalue themselves, like, listen, okay. Oh, how do I don't Okay. The appraisal of a house is very important, or any building, because it determines what level of financial status somebody has that qualifies to buy it, right? So if the bank has determined, based on your credit line, and all, if you're not paying cash, right, based on your credit and everything else, that you can't go above, don't they say that you can't go above this number, like this is your threshold right here. So your class in finances, you're, you can get anything under this number. So the appraisal is an important thing. It's probably the most important thing, and people don't realize that. Right? 
So think of if you devalue yourself to such a level that you, you, you qualify for whoever will have you. In your marriage, in your job, anything. It's like, whoever will have me, I'll, I'll, I'll let them, you know. I'm so thankful that they'll have me. If we put ourselves down, we give ourselves our credit limits. When we are citizens of heaven, you receive Jesus. You are like in the most royal of all families. I mean, the Bible says we're royal priests to the holy nation. I mean, seriously. We're so peculiar that people can't put a value on us. That's what makes us peculiar. They don't understand us. They, we're out of the range of the world system value. We have a heavenly express card, not an American. So, yeah, okay. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. Um, is that what I say? Eight or something? Eight. Okay. All right. We, okay, let's do seven so we get some perspective. This is the Amplified. But we have this precious treasure, the good news about salvation. Okay, stop right there. The good news about salvation is the earth's currency that puts you back to your proper appraisal status. It's the document on earth. It's the thing that happened on earth. When you said, yes, I accept the gospel. I accept Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I receive it. I believe that he is the son of God. You know, I believe that he died for my sins. When you do that, you have now accepted this is so your brand new creation, right? So all the old appraisals are of no value anymore. Brand new creation. The old passed away. All things become new. You talk about flip. This is like beyond the flip. Your foundation was changed. Everything got changed. Yes. 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 All right. Yep. <laughs> and so anyway, verse, um, okay, so then let's go to verse 8. So that part, we have that, okay. So here's, so here's the thing. We are pressed in every way. Hedged in, but not crushed. People forget that part. We are not crushed. We're uncrushable. Okay? Perplexed, meaning unsure of finding a way out, but never driven to despair. Despair is an appraisal of the enemy. Hunted down and persecuted, but not deserted to stand alone. Feeling lonely, and like you're the only one this is happening to and all that is an appraisal of the enemy because he has to tell you, nobody likes you. Struck down but never destroyed. You cannot be destroyed if you don't accept it. it so 
So the houses that get appraised for condemnation, meaning it's unlivable, nobody could live in it. It's been condemned. There's a sign they put outside, condemned. The next step after that is for it to be bulldozed down, caught on fire, whatever, but destroyed. Well, in the kingdom of God, there is no such edict because God gives you brand new. He makes it new. (laughs) He makes it new. He makes all things new. Well, yeah, it could be. His mercies are new every morning. Always carrying around in the body of dying Jesus so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown in our body. Do you see, you can read the rest. Like, I mean, seriously, this is the appraisal comparison right here. So my final note here is, oh, no, I have more than one final note. Okay. (laughs) So 2 Corinthians 5.19 is another one to look at, where God doesn't count people's sins against them, but he cancels them. Mm -hmm. And he has committed the message of, this is the message of reconciliation, is the cancellation of sin. So my note on this is, so what if you were a horrible person and all the appraisal the enemy ever did of you was actually true? Well, there's a cure for that too. So that's what that scripture is. 2 Corinthians 5.19. Check that whole, check the whole surrounding context of that. Look at it in the Amplified. They really spell it out there too. But listen, you can't be too bad. You can't be too bad. For, to get an appraisal that's, that's worse than the worst. We, we see how the system works in the world. The, the most amazing human to ever walk the earth was given a less than zero value by the world system. Well, what do you think? Jesus even said, if they do this to me, what do you think they're going to do to you? Hello? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You should not... I mean, think about this. When you think that about yourself, you start carrying yourself differently. You actually, I mean, think about the houses in a really nice neighborhood. They actually keep up a certain standard because they're like, it's just, it just by default you kind of do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because you want to keep your value of your house so that when you're ready to sell, it keeps the value. Well, listen, we're presenting, we're representing the kingdom every day. So if the devil can make you devalued looking, nobody's going to want to be part of the kingdom. Like, seriously? You want me to be like you? But then he uses that as a guilt. Why would anybody want to do this? Because look at you. And you know what you need to start saying? Yeah, take a good look at me. Thank you very much. Let's look together, shall we? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, let's talk. There's things in me you never even saw yet. 
and I'm not going to show it to you because you're not the one I'm, I'm doing it for. But just so know <laughs> that when I walk out of here after all your little conversation, I'm walking out full of the Holy Ghost. That's what Jesus did. So a handwritten note in here, which you can go look at Ephesians, that talks about this. The fivefold ministry that God put on, place, on, the place, on the earth is designed to pull out of you the value that you don't see or perceive or whatever. God actually sent it because it's for the edifying of the saints. The building up of the saints. So God actually put the fivefold ministry in the body so that the value he put on you could be pulled out by them. The evangelist gets you in the right new creation, brand new, gets you the whole, you know, brand new thing. And then the apostle, they, they set up station, you know, they go build places for people to come. The pastor teaches you. The prophet comes and tells you, get a grip. Hello? This is what you're supposed to do. You see what I'm saying? You see how it all works together? So if the enemy can get you to not put value on those voices, your whole crew, your whole construction crew, you have fired. Or you give them bad valuation, you know, bad reviews. And then you want to know why you're not building your life. Because every construction, every part, every Five-fold minister that God sent to you, the only one you accepted was the evangelist. God knows how you hung out, but thank God you did. But the rest of them, you give a bad review and leave. And nothing ever gets built. Because you fire them. Imagine if, if you, hired, you got the perfect spot, you know, location, location, location. You got a perfect land, right? And you got the money to build your dream house and you hire the best construction uh, company there is and they come out and you look at the designs and stuff you want and you pick a thing and every time they try to do it like what the building needs you know dig the foundation door you stop them and you say wait 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 I don't want that I don't want that I, I don't really agree with that I don't want that mind you you know nothing about construction Right? But you, it's yours. You own, this is your money. You're their boss because you hired them. And you just keep going through. So when they're done with the structure, you're not going to be happy. Because you decided what you're going to take and what you're going to leave. And so the, the picture you were looking at, that you want, and then so people leave. They leave the prophet, they leave the church, they, you know, they leave the teaching, they leave, you know what I'm saying? Because, because it just didn't work for me. Well, of course it didn't! <laughs> you, you decided, I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want, yeah, it's powerless! <laughs> Do you see? So the enemy's counteraction is demonic activity that whispers, you're not this, you're not good, and they hate you. The people don't like you. Look, they're talking about you. Ah! The 
pastors don't love you. They didn't call you for four weeks. You haven't been there for four weeks. Nobody called you. They hate you. Really? Do you see how all this works? They didn't do what we thought they should do. They're too political. They're not political enough. Oh, my gosh. Look at how she dresses. Look at how he dresses. They're, ah! None of that is, you know, they even, they, they even talked about what Jesus wore. They talked about what he ate. They talked about how he treated his disciples, what he allowed them to do, what he didn't allow them. They, they did all this with Jesus. They, people are treating the fivefold the same way today. Think about it. Look at it. Look at what they're doing. You so when the church itself is ridiculing the edifiers of the body, the enemy's work is like a breeze. And it all has to do with the appraisals we have of ourselves. If you accepted God's appraisal of you, when somebody comes to rebuke you, because that's part of what the Bible is supposed to do, one of them is supposed to be rebuking you, and you reject it, you've just accepted the appraisal of something else. There's a counteraction to this. And the only problem is, the devil just needs a foothold. He just needs you to take one line of his appraisal and help bulldoze his way in. The Holy Spirit will, the Bible says, line upon line, precept upon precept. Right? The Holy Spirit works by us accepting and following the instruction. This is how the Holy Spirit works with us. Right? So he will give you an instruction and wait for you to follow it. Nothing else is happening until you do that. And people get frustrated. The, the construction people, imagine if you ban them from the site and then expect the, your house to show up at the date you d- demanded. People do this all the time. They're praying, believing God for this. And then they walk away and they do everything the enemy wants them to do about themselves. And then they come out, well, I don't know why God's not answering my prayer. Well, gee, I, it's a mystery. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's just a flat out mystery. <laughs> If you say yes in this room and you go in your car, it's still you that's held accountable for the yes. You're not just held accountable for it when you come in this room. You understand? When you go to bed at night and you put your head on your pillow, it's the same you that's accountable for the yes you said when you were standing up and wide awake. (laughs) So what you think about while you put your head on the pillow will determine what that yes meant when you wake up the next morning talked about the renewing of the mind, right? The transfiguration, the the same word. (gasps) Paul said daily. He renewed his mind daily. He made sure he canceled any appraisals of the enemy. Uh, He had a lot coming at him. (laughs) I mean, you talk about a condemned building. I mean, he's three days from being condemned. The devil would have took him and killed him, really. Be like, I'm done with you. They found you out. They caught you. Boom. Remember, he had three days to make a decision. <gasps> and look at what God did. With it was already written. That's what's supposed to do. He just had to accept it. But look at what happened when he did. It worked. We. Yeah, we have to ask, like, what are we stalled? Who did we send away? (laughs) 
Like what cat? You know, was it the plumbers? Was it the electrician? Who would we send away? <laughs> and it's between you and God. It's not. Don't condemn yourself if you've done this your whole life. Honestly, this is a new revelation. Let's take it and be excited about it. God ain't condemn. He's just excited that we. Woo! It's time for me to tell them this. Let's go. <laughs> You see what, so don't forget all that stuff. It's not like, oh, but I do this if, it, yeah. The choice you have is now to accept what was already written or your planned destruction. That's really, those are your choices. So you don't have to come up with who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to do it. Once you accept the appraisal of God, the power is there to get it done like nobody else can do it. Because it's yours. It's a custom-built thing. Yes. Yes. And here's here's the thing. This has been working in my life. I don't even know. I didn't even know about the concept, but I just this what. Like when I went to grad school, and I said, "No, I'm getting out in a year. Thank you. Let's sit down for grad school." Well, that's never been done. That's not the question I asked you. I was never the question. I didn't ask you if it was done or not. <laughs> this is what I say I'm doing because that's what God told me to do. Do you see what I'm saying? So you will encounter people's systems and their blocks, but remember, you are from heaven. Like you, were, oh my God, you are like nobody's ever seen what you can do. Yes, but even you as a person, if somebody did it before you, when you do it, it shouldn't look the same. It should look like you. Jesus never told the disciples to do things like he did. He told them to, they saw what he could do. That's what they had to go do. He never, did you see a seminar where he told them exactly how to, how much mud to make with how much spit? No. He sent them two by two. And then when they came back and said, I think it was that trip where they said, you know, they were somewhere trying to cast it even out. It didn't work. And he said, well, this comes out by that. That's when he taught them the lesson. When you have a situation like that, this is pretty much what you need to do. He didn't even tell them how many days to pass. He talked about a bad formula. Like, what kind of training is this? But think about this. Jesus didn't even try to make somebody operate in his individual anointing and the personality he had. Because he, he operated as a human, right? So that means he had to have one, like we do. And he didn't try to make anybody operate like him. It's just the same power is what he wanted to point to. We have access. We all have the... Our father is the same. Jesus is father, and ours are the same. <laughs> ah! Do you see this? So there's no need for like, well, I can never be a pastor. And I can never be a pastor. You're not supposed to! Yes, no, there's no photocopy thing. God didn't get tired and say, oh, that's duplicate. I mean, hit the button. How many times? What do you think, Holy Spirit? You know, like... That's what the other verse I was going to say. And he, he uh, skillfully wove us together, like woven in Psalm 139. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Yeah. One of one, and you. Uh, yeah. There's no prince. <laughs> See, here's the thing. We, the only person we're to be like is our Father in the likeness of Him, right? Now, we learn things. We can pick up, like from people's anointing, we can learn. The anointing is transferable. So we can, we can learn, you know, like Elijah and Elisha, right? Like, that can happen. But even the, the, the temperament and the way that things were done, it's, it's like your personality. Like, I don't think Elijah would have followed around Elisha. Like Elisha followed him around. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I'm just telling you, it, it would have been stopped right there. Like, that's the end of it. It's done. Okay? So, just be your personality with God's appraisal. Like, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you just have to be your personality with God's appraisal. This is why it's important for your children that you just try. Your goal should be to figure out what has God made them to. And you remember in John the Baptist, in, um, in Samson, in Jesus' case, the angel kind of expressed what these kids are supposed to be doing. Like what these humans are coming to earth to be. So that the parents don't train them like the other people in the family. Right? Sometimes God will reveal to you, this child is this, do this, this. Like, I mean, Samson had specific things his mom had to do from the mother's womb. She had to do it from there. <laughs> because it affected him. Because think about it. He's reading about his book in the womb. No alcohol, no grapes, no cutting of the hair. She's there having a good old time drinking. <laughs> He's like, I'm not supposed to have any alcohol. <laughs> right? No, she couldn't, but that's what I'm saying. God had to reveal it to her because he is in there and he's reading that he's not supposed to have any alcohol. And she's sending it in there. Before he's born, he botched it. You see, I mean, how far do we want to take this? I'm just telling you, we can take this thing. We were created before the foundations of the earth. God wrote us into existence. He's just sending us at the right timing. That's it. Ephesians 2 is about the masterpieces. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 is where that sounds. Ladies, if you want things to think about, this is what you should be thinking about. (laughs) This is what you need to be thinking about. Like, what should happen to people when they come in your presence? Think about that. Ms. Joan knows. She's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what should happen to people when they meet you? What should happen when they walk away from you? Like, what happened to people when Jesus met them? It wasn't some, you know, flippant encounter. 
it was recorded worth. And the Bible says there's so many things that happen that there's not enough books on the earth or ink in the ocean to write everything Jesus did. Think about this. Think of, you just ran out of ink. Think about how much ink an ocean would be. Multiple oceans. Think about this, folks. Ah! <laughs> we appraise ourselves so low, and it's always based on who's around us. You know, they did this study. I've seen it several times now in people giving motivational things. The five people around you add up all of their um, income, and your income is an average of theirs. The five people you consider to be closest around you you add up their income for the year, and the average of their income is your income. <laughs> so the theory is, the theory is that you can't, you can't become, the, this is the world system though, this is what I'm trying to tell you. The world, well what I'm saying is this, the world conditioning, which they're teaching, and people are seeing that it's true, right? That you can't get past, because it's a mindset, is what I'm saying. You're congregating. Remember the Bible says, blessed is the man that doesn't sit in the seat of the scorn, but that means you don't mock people. And then you don't take the counsel of the ungodly. So if the five people around you that's um, closest to you, you're taking their counsel because you're sitting with them, so the thing is, if their counsel is ungodly, you're subject to that ratio. Remember, Psalm 1 is about blessed is the man that doesn't do these things. So to get to the number you were written about before you met these people, you have to not put yourself in that realm. Yes, but you also choose your level that you could be no matter who's around you. That too, but listen, Jesus was around sinners, sick people, poor people, beggars, blind, deaf, demon-possessed. None of it affected him. He affected all of them. So that ratio is a world system ratio, but it still happens to people because that's what, they, that's what they default into. So in other words, when the, the, so here's, but here's how you get there. Your mindset has to be renewed by the word of God, not by the people around you. Right? So even though you come to church and you hear the word and everything, your mindset can't be subject to just what's taught there. That's important to edify you and lift you up and grow you. You have to still be participating in the Word because the Word has elements in it that, that is connected to your DNA with the words that were spoken and written about you before you were born. Yes, and it's the light, the same light. When He spoke light, you were in Him. Well, the particles in Word is, ah! You see what I'm saying? Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one word. Right? The word is everlasting. 
So if you want eternal results, you've got to get the foundation of the word. The word is eternal. So if you want eternal results, like things you do to have eternal results, you have to get it from the word. There has to be a revelation that clicks. Do you see what I'm saying? So you are hearing teaching in the, of the word in church and everything else. That's good. But that's like maintenance level. That's the fivefold ministry activating in you personally what God put in you. Now you've got to take it to the next level. You've got to get in the Word for yourself and see what is connecting with you. It'll quicken it in you. Don't dismiss it when it does. You dismiss it when you don't think you're good enough for it. Or no, God couldn't possibly know. He's a... I'm telling you, if it connects, it's yours. Take it. It's deep calling to deep. And you are responsible for taking it and multiplying with it. This will help you reset so fast. Like, it doesn't matter who did what to you and who told you you can't do this and who made you mad. Oh, my gosh. You reset. That is not my appraised value. Thank you very much. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. What part? Like, what, what did he say that you don't understand? Okay. So, well, actually, so here's what that shows. It shows the power of our choices. So Adam saw all the way to David and saw that he would have died as a child is what he was saying, right? And Adam realized that if David died, then that kind of stops this line, this lineage thing that God wanted to do. So Adam said, I'm going to give 70 years to David, and that's exactly that's the age that he died. So Adam chose from the beginning of time. He looked down the timeline and said, I'm giving this. So he chose to give of his own life to somebody else. I don't understand the question. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let me say it this way. Adam owned a thousand years. Adam owned eternity. He didn't have to die. He chose to die. So now he's living in a permissive will. So the perfect destiny for Adam was to live forever without sin on the earth and him not, okay? That's really what the perfect destiny is. But God had to come in and do what he did so that we can get back in right standing with God. So, so what was written was done before Adam was created, right? So our, whatever God wrote about it, this just shows that we have to, assort, we own it. God doesn't, like, control it. He's already written it. Adam chose to take those years and give it away. And God accepted his choice. Do you see what I'm saying? So this just proves that we have something that was given to us. This is our lot in life. You're talking about your lot in life. Your lot in life, nobody's ever seen. <laughs> okay? And it's yours. You own it. 
So you can take with it and do what you choose to do, which is what a lot of people do. They squander it. If God controlled us and our destiny, do you think there would be anybody that is a nobody? No, because he'd control you right back up to somebody. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So our destiny was written before Adam was even created. And so we now... It's us, it's our ownership, we come here, and we can choose to do with it what we want. And as we get, it's this one thing, back to the Word. You, like Pastor Doug said when he was in Bible school, the, the scripture, Galatians 3.29, just popped. And he just knew. That was in the Lord spoke to him about, well, that's what God put in him. So it was in him and it connected. Do you see what I'm saying? So now, so he has a focus. You see, so with me, it was Psalm 139. When I saw that, I went, what? It just like, boom. So purpose, that's, it connected. But now that's just the, the, the anchor with the word. That it just anchored me to it, like that's it. Do you see what I'm saying? You've got to find what you connect with in the Word and don't let it go. Don't let the devil tell you, oh, you're not good enough for that. Oh, you can't even fulfill that. Really? You would see nothing, nothing, and I don't have to prove nothing to you. Why are you even watching? <laughs> I'm not here for you. <laughs> you see, oh my, it's 30. But you see what I'm saying? So, so this re, don't go home and think about this either. And go, oh, well, you know, I'll have to see when I can do that. You are now responsible for what you just heard. <laughs> From one of the fivefold ministries, by the way. <laughs> Maybe more than one of the fivefold. <laughs> I'm still sorting that out. But the other part of it is you will never run out of levels while you're on the earth. Jesus never diminished in power. Never. Not even for a... Never. You're not going to have good days and bad days in your reason you're here. It's your prayer. Like, think about the house. Like, oh, today that house looks... Oh, we don't... It's the same house. The thing that fluctuates is the market. But the actual house, the, the stuff is the same. Right? So when you're appraising yourself by the world system, it'll always go up and down. Like, think about it. You know, nurses are needed at a certain time, and now the market doesn't want nurses. It wants this. So if you see yourself as a nurse or as a teacher, you know, or as an IT person, if you just value, if you appraise yourself by those positions, you are going to go up and down with the world system. But if you appraise yourself, Based on your purpose and what God wrote about you. That's what it comes. Whatever God wrote about me, that's what the value I put on myself. That's what I'm here to do. That's how you don't change with the world system. We got it? So this will make everybody around you have a better relationship with you. Because when you bring your bad appraisal around everybody, they got to, like, 
either get ghetto with you and go down to your level just to make you feel comfortable. Think about it. Or they have to try their hardest to convince you that's not how they see you. But you don't believe them. Either way, it makes a, a difficult relationship. It puts blocks in your relationship because if they, if they don't, you don't believe them. So then now you're walking around thinking they're liars or they're manipulators. They only tell me this when they want me to do something for them. You see? That's all from the enemy. If you know your true value, which God will reveal to you from his word, then you're good. Like, you can accept and reject and accept and reject and not be concerned about, you know. I mean, think about it. Jesus came and said that he's going to tear down temple, build it back, and all this. You know, he was doing all this king talk. That's his birth. A king has been born, all this stuff. So his rival was trying to kill him from a baby. It didn't work. He still did everything he was supposed to do right out in the open. In front of his rival. And then he used his rival to complete his work. <laughs> he had the disciple with him all the time that was, that was designated, you know, that was plotting his death. But the death couldn't happen until he was ready. You know, he, they couldn't even make him die when they wanted him to die. He didn't die till he said, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. He was in control of everything. <laughs> when do we feel like we have to give control to anybody at all? It's not in the Bible. The Bible talks about submitting. It talks about respecting authority. It talks about those things. But all those things can be done without giving up the control of who you are as a person. I think that's what we don't realize. See? When God brings a memory to you about something in your past that happened to you, like a, a cheating or a stealing that occurred in your life, you know, somebody stole from you, somebody cheated you, somebody did something bad, call for the harvest of it. If your heart was right, like you did the right thing, okay? You honored God. You did what you were supposed to do. And let's say you got fired or, you, you know, whatever happened or somebody stole money from you or whatever, right? You were being honest and they still stole money from you. When, when it comes back to your remembrance, ask the reaping angels to go out and bring your harvest in for that time. Yeah. Those are all things we have access to. <laughs> Think about it. Jesus came all the years later to fix what Adam did, to beat up the enemy, strip him of his authority and power publicly, and hand it over to the rightful owners. None of it, remember there's no time in God, so none of this stuff loses value with him. We didn't lose value because we accepted another prayer. We didn't lose value. We just accepted a lesser value. But we didn't actually lose value. There's nothing about, you didn't lose any value. It's still you. Your value is still what God sees you. That's why he keeps telling you to do stuff. 
If he considered you worthless and, and you know, condemned or whatever, he wouldn't, he wouldn't ask you to do anything. That's why he still wants, you know, <clears throat> that's why you can hear what I'm saying to you today. If you didn't have any value, you wouldn't. Right? So there's, no matter what the enemy label he put on you, it's not valid in God's eyes. You have to actually make it valid for to function in it. But God doesn't see it valid. When you walk into the neighborhood, the value should increase because you're there. No matter if you do anything outside or not, you just a presence. You know how many demons you hold back from your community if you're if you're taking authority in your area and stuff? That's the value you bring. You know? So much. Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We give you praise and honor, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your appraisal of us before the foundations of the world. What you wrote about us, we accept. We accept all of it. We agree with all of it, Father. The fine print and everything, we accept because it comes from heaven. And, Lord, we disregard, we reject, we tear up, we burn with the fire of the Holy Ghost. All the appraisals that the enemy has made, whether by words, by deeds, by relationships, by soul ties, whatever, we cut them off from us now in Jesus' name. We sever the cords. We disrespect them. We show no respect to them. And we cast them out in Jesus' name from our lives. We accept what the Holy Spirit has said about us. And Lord, you write those things in our hearts. And we accept them as revelation from you. That you will write them in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll share this with you real quick. Uh, when Pastor was preaching on uh, Wednesday, um, you know, he was saying about Mary um, when uh, she, no, he was saying something, but I remember, he's talking about Mary. But what I remember from Mary's story is the difference. Okay, two people that that same angel appeared to about babies. And the Bible said that Mary pondered those things in her heart. She didn't think about them in her mind. She accepted the revelation in her heart, right? Because remember, a pastor said that the Holy Spirit would just put things in your heart, bypass your mind, so revelation. Meanwhile, Zechariah took it to his mind and did not put it in his heart. And that was, that was the difference. So when God gives you a revelation about something, about you, about his word, stick it in the heart and don't think about it. Try to rationalize it because you're going to turn it to Zechariah. You're going to ask questions that Zechariah asked. When Mary pondered it in her heart, her questions were different. They were coming from the heart. You see the difference? So, that's the extra. All right. I think we're good.